1: Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Rob Lilly, sitting in for Lucia Ariano. And here's what's coming up this week
2: Pick up your phone whilst you're sat on the sofa, say it's 30 degree heat and you can't really be bothered to go outside. Fumming through until you find something you fancy the look of and ordering it, there is a lot more cost added to
3: that than maybe first appears.
0: As delivery companies are kind of moving back to their normal commissions, it's really hard to make money doing delivery.
3: You're kind of dodging deaths, you're dodging taxis and buses and pedestrians and everyone all the time, and trying to get through the city as quickly as you can because you're working on piece rate. And that is what makes the work deeply unenjoyable at times.
1: With the number of us using apps to order our favourite takeaway or groceries continuing to rise, I'm joined by Witch's Head of Consumer Rights, Adam French, to take a look at the hidden cost of the food delivery revolution, examining the surprising premium added to your final bill.
0: We are Witch.
1: It is a roasting July day, and I'm starting this week's podcast here on a busy high street in West London. Now it's typical, of course, of many high streets up and down the country. You've got restaurants lining both sides of a busy main road, and there is everything you can imagine here, from Thai restaurants to independent Italians serving traditional pizza and pasta, high-end Chinese dining, honestly, name a cuisine, it is here. And also, of course, the Cheney trees that you all know well. But as I walk along and I look at the frontiers of these shops, they all have one thing in common, maybe two things in common. Obviously, they've all got their menu in their front window, but they also have stickers in the window showing people like you and me that yes, while you can eat in, you can also order to your own front door using a whole host of different delivery apps just looking now you've got the greeny blue of Deliveroo you've got the black and green of Uber Eats, the vibrant orange of Just Eat to name but a few and then outside these restaurants as well you will find cyclists and people on motorbikes as you can hear in the background all ready to deliver your next order. Now, in a recent witch survey of more than 2,000 people in the UK, around 6 in 10 told us that they used these delivery apps at least monthly prior to March 2020, and that figure has now risen to 7 in 10. It's perhaps, therefore, unsurprising that one of the biggest of these delivery chains, Deliveroo, generated £1.2 billion in revenue in 2020. That's a 54% increase year on year. But when it comes to the price you pay to order using these apps, all is perhaps not as it seems.
0: We are
1: Witch. So I'm back at home, away from the roasting high street. And joining me now is Witch's head of consumer rights, Adam French. Adam, hello. Now,
2: two questions for you. How are you finding the weather? Oh, blimey. Um, clammy would be the horrible word used to describe the experience of being sat inside, working remotely at a laptop whilst it is glorious 30 degrees outside.
1: Second important question. I'm sure you, like me, enjoy takeaway from time to time. We're talking about food delivery apps today.
2: What's your favourite? Oh, that's a really tough question. You know, growing up, there was only really three options. You had a Chinese takeaway, you had pizza, and you had fish and chips. And I won't lie, they're all still brilliant things. But I think as a treat, you can't go wrong with a really good curry, to be honest. And I think that does stand head and shoulders above all the others as a real nice treat takeaway to have from time to time. How about you? was a Chinese, but always very
1: salty. That's, that's all I'd say on that one. We should probably move on to the serious stuff, though, on today's podcast. And the point, that we are talking today. Here at which we have been looking at these delivery apps for a while now. And we've recently published our own research into this.
2: Now, Adam, what did we find? First and foremost, there's been a massive shift towards using these delivery apps. So it's your Deliveroo, your Just Eat, your Uber Eats. These are common sight in most city centres around the country now is the guys on on bikes, on mopeds with the colourful backpacks on, buzzing around delivering food all over the place. And The pandemic has really driven a huge, huge increase in the amount of people who have been ordering from these apps now. But we have found some concerning, I suppose, additional costs um, that you may be incurring when you use those apps that aren't particularly clear. Now, when you're on these apps, you'll know that there's a delivery charge added on, a service fee added on. You can add tip as well. But actually, the way these businesses are set up is that they charge commission to the restaurants and takeaway companies that are listing on those apps. And that commission can be pretty hefty. So we have found that in a lot of instances, those additional costs, that commission cost is actually being passed on to us as the consumer. We actually looked at a pretty typical order from a Lebanese restaurant. It was like a chicken sheesh and mixed grill. And if you'd gone direct that would only cost you around £26, and that includes the delivery fee for the restaurant. However, going to Deliveroo, that goes up to £38. Uber Eats, £33. Just Eat, £34. And the reason for that increase is because the commission being charged this restaurant is being passed on to us as the consumer in that final cost that you're paying. So there really is a a hidden additional fee being added to the cost of the convenience you get from being able to just pick up your phone whilst you're sat on the sofa, say it's 30 degree heat and you can't really be bothered to go outside, thumbing through until you find something you fancy the look of and ordering it. There is a lot more cost added to that than maybe first appears.
1: Now, we will talk to a business owner about that commission and how it impacts their business and their restaurant a little bit later on. But it's not just these restaurants either, is it? Because I know I've done this before. You can now order your groceries on these apps as well. An increasing number of us sometimes ordering our weekly shop on there as well. Now, does the same commission and increased cost apply when you're ordering from the supermarkets, ordering some groceries?
2: Unfortunately, it does. And that can actually be even more pronounced um, when ordering from the supermarkets. And actually, you think about the convenience these apps offer and how we've been in lockdown situations for the last year. Hopefully, we won't be again anytime soon. But a lot of people have found that convenience to be a real lifeline, to be honest, to get things delivered, especially if you've got a young family, and you're trying to just keep things together, and you think, well, I'll just order some things from Deliveroo, whatever it is. So, we looked at a typical sort of order from a local co op uh, and we compared the cost you pay in store versus ordering on Deliveroo. A couple of bottles of wine, you know, some pizza, a salad, a bit of dessert, maybe some crisps, you know, typical things to just keep a family occupied and to help the parents soothe uh, at the end of the day as well. And we found, you know, that would cost £35 in store which is a fair few quid. But actually, if you order that on Deliveroo, that goes up to £48. Pounds. That's a £13 pound increase for doing exactly the same shop. And the delivery fee is only £1.99. So that additional cost is only attributable to that commission charge being passed on to you as a consumer. And again, that isn't something that's obvious to you when you're using the app and making that purchase. Really interestingly, we were talking to Harry Rose, who's the editor of, of Witch Magazine, when we were working on this story in the early days. And He told us about a time that he'd actually put in an order from a local store, primarily to get baby formula, because they had a a screaming child and they were like, we need some baby formula and we need some food. But he actually added a few more items to that order as well to try and make up the cost to make it a bit more worthwhile and when he had that delivered the one thing that was missing <laughs> was the baby formula and then he had a real uphill struggle trying to justify having placed that order then so we do know that actually the the cost is being inflated but also there's a real liability there for items going missing that maybe you don't face when you order directly from the supermarket as well so there's a real challenge there around that around grocery deliveries in particular uh, and i think we've had a few stories from people complaining about missing items as well.
1: And later on, we will talk about refunds, actually, and kind of the complexity I know that you might face if you do have an issue with your order or maybe there's some items missing and that sort of thing. So that is something we will touch on. Not a parent, hands up, but the idea of you ordering baby formula for your screaming child and then that not arriving sounds like it could be the most stressful situation I can imagine. Now we mentioned commission and Adam, that's what you've been talking to us about. I said we would hear from a restaurant owner and let's do that now. I've been chatting to Grace Regan. She set up vegan street food stand Box and has since opened a curry house in London. And she told me more about the relationship between these delivery firms and businesses.
0: I started Box from my home kitchen about five years ago. I basically turned my Front door in turn, Indian takeaway, was cooking curries in my kitchen. And then from there went into street food, traded at street food markets across London, and then raised some investment to open our first curry house in 2019. At the beginning, actually, when I first came up with the idea for Spice Box, it was at the kind of start of that food delivery revolution. I just recently moved back from San Francisco, where it was huge. Obviously, being a local curry house, it's expected that we'll offer our food for takeaway, and our food does really well as takeaway as well as dining. And then when the pandemic hit, we were kind of forced into doing delivery. Before that, we didn't actually do delivery because having worked with some delivery partners, I'd kind of always said that I never wanted to go back and and work with them. But obviously we had no choice when the pandemic hit. So um, we started doing delivery back in March 2020 and now it's a pretty big part of our business
1: So as Grace mentioned, the pandemic forced her to embrace these delivery apps, as will have been the case for businesses and restaurants across the country. To begin with, they offered her a low rate of commission. But as she explained, things changed a few months later.
0: We slowly um, started to realise that, you know, as the first kind of lockdown eased, commission rates started to go up to their kind of normal prices. But obviously at that time, we were and still are benefiting from quite a low VAT rate. And that's going to go back up. So when the VAT rate is at its kind of normal rate, 20%, and as delivery companies are kind of moving back to their normal commissions, it's really hard to make money doing delivery. I would say that if you're a food business in London, you should expect to pay between 25 and 32%. The sad thing is that the more leverage you have and therefore the bigger business you are, the more negotiating power you have on that. So it basically ends up that the small businesses end up paying the highest commissions and the big businesses end up paying the lowest commissions, which doesn't really stack up and it's not that fair.
1: Now, Adam, that rate of commission that Grace mentioned there, 25 to 32 percent, that is huge. And Grace isn't the only restaurant owner that we've spoken to here. You know, what are the other experiences that we've heard?
2: We spoke to a restaurant in Cambridge, actually, as part of this investigation as well, uh, the Olive Grove. And uh, they told us the delivery charges them around 30 percent commission on orders above £25 and 33% commission on orders less than that. But they do point out Deliveroo has effectively for them replaced the high street in the last year. And if they weren't on Deliveroo, then it would mean they effectively become invisible to online orders because so many people are now using these apps because undoubtedly they're incredibly convenient. In fact, George, the manager there, told us that around 60% of their sales were coming through the app at one point during the pandemic, which is quite extraordinary. But that cost, they say, as Grace says, is, is pretty unsustainable. Uh, and it's a huge amount of commission to be charged, especially when you're bought in with tempting zero commission rates to start with. And it's something you find you having to pay the extra amount. I don't think a lot of people realize how tight the margins can be for food delivery preparation for restaurants. There's a dizzying amount of restaurants actually fail within their first year to 18 months because it is such a tough tough market to get into because margins are so tight so this commission rate is a pretty hard uh, hard knock to take for a lot of restaurants and that's why you see the cost being passed on to us as the end consumer when we're using those apps because the restaurants can't take it and they have to pass that cost on to us which is fine it's not if you can afford to pay it that's fine I think the the challenge I see it from a consumer perspective is that lack of real transparency around that you're not clear as a consumer why you're paying extra that you are being charged the extra amount and it does limit your ability to make a, a really informed decision about who to buy from and where to buy your food from. And you know, you get a big chain, they can probably absorb that at the extra cost better than your, your local restaurant, say, for example. And certainly from speaking to restaurant owners like George, like Grace, we do know that they do prefer regular customers to come to them directly because it's cheaper for them and it's cheaper for the customer as well. So wherever possible that is probably the best thing to do. So if you are really loyal to a particular, and I've spoken to people who actually go to the same restaurant every other Friday, they get an Indian takeaway from the same restaurant. I know people who live that way quite, they like a, they like routine. And actually you could save a considerable amount of money going directly every time rather than going for an app. And you'll save that restaurant money as well. So if you do have a restaurant you're really loyal to, probably a good step to take is just to pick up the phone, give them a call and place an order that way save yourself a a fair few quid especially over the course of a year
1: and on top of all of this there is another strand to this story earlier in the week i caught up with a courier who works for one of these app-based delivery services to find out what it's like to work for them what it's like to be one of the people actually delivering the food and we'll hear more from him next Hello again, Greg Foote here, the host of Witch Money's sister podcast, Witch Investigates. We're all about looking into the promises we see on packaging in the press or shared on social media and seeing if they deliver. Our first season is looking at claims of sustainability, everything from electric cars to eco travel, the future of home heating to whether your mobile has a predetermined expiry date. Next week, it's the final podcast of the series. And we thought, why not team up with the Which Money team to investigate, could your money be causing climate change? That will be coming out next week, and you'll be able to hear it on this very podcast feed. And we've got a new episode of Which Investigates dropping tomorrow too. Well, I'll be asking if working from home helps the planet. Have a listen. Back now, though, to Rob for the rest of your money pod. This week, we're taking a look at the hidden cost of the food delivery revolution, examining the surprising premium added to your final bill. Now, we've already heard how much extra it can cost you to order through one of these apps rather than from the restaurant directly, and much of this increased price comes down to restaurants trying to claw back some of the commission charged by the delivery companies. But what's it actually like to work for these firms? I've been speaking to one rider who gave us an insight
3: into a normal shift. You can do a lunchtime shift, which is kind of a very short and sharp peak. And then you can do an evening shift, which is relatively busy, but a bit longer. Um, So a lunchtime shift, typically you'd log on at about 11 or half 11 and try and position yourself as close to the, the restaurants that you know are going to be busy at lunch, just in hope of getting that first order. And then as soon as you get one, it's just like, go, go, go. Um, to try and make as much money as you can in that kind of hour and a half when people are eating lunch. Dinner, you might come out at something like half five in the evening or five o'clock. And that's when you start to pick up the meals that go into offices when people are working late, certainly before the pandemic. And as that moves on, it transitions into the evening trade. I mean, say you got an average order, you basically get this notification through on your phone. You don't get given a distance, you get given a map. Which kind of changes size all the time the scale of the map always changes so it's quite difficult unless you really know the city to judge how far the job is going to be and but it'll come up and it'll have uh, a price attached to it you then decide to accept it or reject it if you accept it you move on to the restaurant you then pick up the food say that you picked up the food at which point you then get the uh, delivery address finally released to you. So that's the point at which you really know where you're going and you know what you kind of got yourself into. Then you hot tail it over to, to drop it off, hope that you get a tip. The work is obviously dangerous, and in order to negotiate that danger, it is a skilled job. You're kind of dodging deaths, you're dodging taxis and buses and pedestrians and everyone all the time and trying to get through the city as quickly as you can. Because you're working on piece rate, and often that piece rate might be £3.50 a job, and if there's not many jobs on, you know, there's that recent investigation that's found delivery workers earning £2 an hour. I've had shifts where I've earned £2 an hour. Um, I can totally confirm that that definitely happens. It's not that people are trying to sandbag or anything. You can be accepting every single job and just not get anything come your way. And that is what makes the work deeply unenjoyable at times, Now, a huge thanks to Adam for chatting to us there. And it really does make you stop and
1: think, doesn't it, about that hurried interaction with the delivery driver at the door. Now, Adam French, not Adam delivery driver. These types of issues mentioned in that piece, they're they're nothing new, are they?
2: Unfortunately not. It's a tough, tough job. And there's clearly been a lot of disgruntlement amongst the delivery drivers around the way they are paid and the workers' rights and protections they actually accrue. And this goes right to the heart of a lot of issues we see with the gig economy and and the lack of worker protections really in place there. You're very transient and there's been a lot of protests and demonstrations around this in in recent months and years. And back in April, uh, a load of delivery workers effectively went on strike in the middle of London, setting off flares, bringing part of the city to a standstill for a short time, having a socially distanced protest, it has to be said, calling for better pay and working conditions. And that really does go to the heart of of what the gig economy means for you as an employee and your, your employment protections, your employee rights, because clearly... You're effectively self-employed, yet without the usual financial benefits that brings. So you don't you don't benefit from what we as a salaried worker might benefit from in terms of sick pay and holiday pay. Certainly, we saw a lot of progress here with with Uber drivers being recognised as employees, and there's arguments there that, that that ruling will apply to these delivery drivers as well. But there's some fascinating stats here that that really paint a picture of of how poorly. Um, they're paid for their efforts. The Bureau of Investigative Journalism analysed the invoices of more than 300 riders and found that one in three of them made less than £8.72 an hour, which is the minimum wage for those aged more than over 25 or over. Some of them earned as little as £2 an hour once you figured out how much riding they were doing. It's pretty, pretty tough work for very, very poor pay. But the flip side of that is I have spoken to drivers myself who absolutely love it as an excuse to get out on the bike and a little bit of extra money. So there is a real a real mixed bag there, I suppose, in terms of how people to look at that, Deliveroo argues that it surveys its riders and found around 90% are satisfied with working for the company. Um, so it is hard to, to make sense, really, of exactly what is going on. But certainly, it really does go to that heart of questions over the gig economy and employee protections there and what it means for you, how much you earn, how you accrue things like sick pay, holiday pay. You know, ultimately, you are effectively self-employed without the usual financial benefits that that brings. But usually when you're self-employed, you're earning a bit more money and you have to sell your own tax bill, etc. This is really the, the worst of both worlds as far as some employees are concerned.
1: Adam, you mentioned the story there involving the Deliveroo riders indeed setting off flares, as you said earlier on in the year. Now, we did contact Deliveroo asking for a response to that story. In a statement, they told us that they are proud to offer self employed work to more than 50,000 riders in the UK, with thousands, they say, applying each week. They say that they offer the genuine flexibility that is only compatible with self employment, providing riders with work they tell us they value. And Adding on to that, they say that those campaigning to remove riders' flexibility do not speak for the vast majority of riders and seek to impose a way of working that riders do not want. Now, Adam, to finish and moving away from the riders and back to the orders themselves, in that which survey we mentioned earlier... Over 50% of those using Deliveroo, Just Eat and Uber Eats reported having issues with their order. Now, I have definitely had this in the past. The most common issues were late delivery, cold food and missing items. Again, that's something that you mentioned with the baby formula a bit earlier on. Many of you have also had problems when trying to report any of these issues. Now, Adam, I always feel like we always ask you this question when you're on every podcast, regardless
2: of what we're talking about. What's the best way to get a refund? It can be tricky with these apps, unfortunately. If you don't get what you pay for, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You are due your money back in the same format you paid. So if you paid cash, then you're due cash back. But these apps can certainly present credit as the viable, the easy option. And often that will be the automated one. And if you want to get cash back, then you have to go through live chat for example. Now, it's fine if you want credit, but it does come with strings attached, usually most noticeably a deadline. You may only have 30 days, for example, to get that credit spent, which is fine if you're ordering... A couple of takeaways a month, but if you aren't ordering that often, then there's every chance that cash is the better option for you, and that's something to to seriously bear in mind. And don't feel like you don't have that choice because you absolutely do. Uh, legally speaking, it should be offering you a, a cash refund as well. But we also hear from people who find themselves caught between pillar and post. Uh, the app points the finger at the restaurant the restaurant points the finger at the app and they both blame each other for the order going wrong and push you around between the two to try and get some kind of resolution. And it has to be said, you're paying the app. They should be the ones to sort a refund. They should be the ones to ultimately mean that you you do get your money back. Obviously, you can contact the restaurant directly and figure out what's happened there as well if you just want to get the order out to you. But when things go wrong... I would say it's the app who should be responsible in the majority of cases to ensure that you do get the problem resolved, and at the very least, uh, either get your delivery out to you or your money back. Uh, I have to be said, it's not always easy either. I've been in that situation uh, with (laughs) waiting on a takeaway. Uh, Well, both my wife and I getting increasingly hangry, waiting for this order to turn up, and I'm stuck on hold, trying to get through to the app in question. Trying to figure out what's happened to dinner, and it can be a an infuriating situation once you've got that that hunger element into the mix as well. Um, but it is the app that should be responsible in the majority of cases, and you know you don't have to take credit if that's not what you want so a huge thank you to adam and thank
1: you to you for listening to today's podcast we always love to hear from you of course so if you have got a comment or a question on anything we've mentioned today then please do let us know in the comments wherever you're listening to the podcast or on social media at witch money for more money news and advice head to witch.co.uk forward slash money and don't forget next week we've got that special crossover episode with the team over at the witch investigates podcast this episode of The Witch Money Podcast was recorded and produced by me, Rob Lilly, edited by Eric Briar, with additional support from Ian Aikman and Kim Carver.